0: You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Thanks for joining us, pros like us. The draft recap, if you would. Well, the big story still is Aaron Rodgers still dangling out there. And every day it seems like there's more breadcrumbs that come out about, you know, why and how he's been so upset. But we're going to stick with draft talk here today, right, Alex? Let's let's keep it to the players we know want to play for their teams they got drafted by. Uh, let's bring on our co-host here, Alex. Alex, how you doing?
1: Hey, how you doing, Lou? Obviously, we wrapped up the the NFL draft, the the extravaganza in in Cleveland. Obviously, on last week's show, we went through uh, picks in the first round. Now we'll talk more about how teams did as a whole. We'll talk about those value picks. We'll talk about how teams did on, on day two, day three. We'll throw out some things, and then we'll talk about the the winners and losers, teams that the instant reaction. I always love this, Lou, the instant grade on each player, the instant grade, you know, on Sunday of of all the picks and of all the drafts. How do we know who's going to be good and who is not? We have no clue. We have to give it, you know, three or four years before we are going to call this player a superstar or a bust, and... I've been down this road before. We've seen plenty of players come into the NFL, have a great rookie season, and then all of a sudden, we never heard from them again. I really don't like giving out grades, letter grades, to individual players or teams. Give it a few years before we start doing something like that.
0: Well, we got to have something to talk about today, Alex. (laughs) Not that we're going to give grades, but I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's a microwave society. Everything needs, we need to know right now, right away, who won, who lost. We're going to be great. But I guess the point is, is that every team. I would think thinks they had a great draft. Every team and fan base thinks wow, You know, there's some hope here. So that that's the positive side of things. As far as the grades are concerned, I guess if you would kind of preempt it with saying, okay, based on where we had these players ranked, you know, prior to drafting them, and that's a I mean, and even that's a big unknown, right? that okay these teams got value these teams didn't get value but it's only perceived because Whose rankings are you going by? <laughs> we're going by every team goes by their own rankings. They're not going to take the NFL Draft Blitz rank, rankings and say, "Okay, this is what we're going to use." Or uh, and every team goes by that, or Mel Kuyper's, or Daniel Jeremiah's, or Our Lads, or you know any other service that's out there. I guess the, the way I look at it, okay, based on these rankings, how did they do as far as values concerned? But in terms of value, one of the things that, that I noticed uh, this year early on in the draft, and, and when I say early on, the first three rounds, is that it seems to me like the small receivers are being valued a little bit more. And I guess as the college game and the pro game, you know, they start to get closer and closer together as far as the way the games are played and this mantra that you must defend... Every blade of grass or we're going to make defenses defend the field, not just vertically, but horizontally, that these smaller guys are getting pushed up a little bit. Is it value, you know, or are these guys reaches? Last year, I think, I don't know, most of the first nine or ten receivers were at least one or taller. Whereas this year you had Kadarius Toney going at number 20. Elijah Moore at 34, Rondale Moore at 49. Tutu Atwell, who's like five six, 150 pounds, goes in the second round. Do you see this continuing? I get the sense that this trend is going to continue as the smaller players find more of a role. Whereas in the past, what we used to call the gadget player is more normalized. And those gadget type plays are more part of the regular offense. Do you see it that way?
1: Yeah, I think it's moving in that direction. Before, we always looked at the, the bigger receivers, and they're the ones that went early because they fit a certain mold. If you were like 6'2", 6'3", and you ran like a 4'4", 4'5", you're definitely going to get pushed up really, really high. But you mentioned a lot of guys that went in the second round. Like you said, Elijah Moore, two Atwell, Dwayne Eskridge. You're absolutely correct. I mean, the the college game is basically incorporating three, four, five wide receiver sets, a lot of empty sets. And that's what the, the NFL is moving towards as well. I mean, we see that with, you know, offenses like Sean McVay, and uh, we see it in Arizona as well with Cliff Kingsbury. It's just empty out, get as many wide receivers out there as possible, throw a short pass, wide receiver screen or or whatever it is. I mean, a jet sweep or a slant route and rely on the guy to, to get that first down. You might throw it short, but you're relying on him to get those five, six, seven yards after the catch and speed kills on any level, whether it's high school, college or the NFL. These guys have great speed and they're slippery and they can take a slant. You know, short slant, 80 yards for a touchdown, or you can throw it deep to them. I think that's where the NFL has moved already, and and teams are looking for the next Tyreek Hill.
0: Well, back in the day, these guys used to just get clobbered. I mean, that was the whole thing, is you really couldn't use these guys very much because, you know, you come across the middle, not even come across the middle, These guys, you're going to get clocked. You were, I guess, afraid to put these guys in harm's way, but just more so... You know, they weren't going to be very effective. But as the rules have changed, as defenses have changed and being more spread out, and more smaller players on the other side of the ball. Are trying to equal the speed that the offenses are putting out there. The guy that's 150 pounds may not have to have the fear or you know uh, durability issues, or he's going to get popped coming across the middle by some you know uh, linebacker or strong safety that just you know puts his lights out. Yeah, I think it is going to continue. It's just a matter of which teams continue in that way because you still have some teams that are saying, okay, you're going to put smaller guys out there we're going to run the ball at you so that so you got those that whole shanahan shanahan tree of coaches that are saying okay you want to put smaller guys out there? We're going to do these these outside zone plays. We're going to, you know, throw these RPOs at you. We're going to, we're just going, if we can, maul you until you put bigger guys on the field, and then we'll spread you out. So it's going to be cat and mouse. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how much that continues. Who, which teams lean on the bigger players, and which teams lean on the smaller players? But it, I just noticed that that it seemed like those guys have becoming more and more valuable. Safeties, I think, in general, got pushed down a little bit. I don't want to say that they were a loser in the draft, but it did seem that they got pushed down a little bit. And these hybrid players, I don't know that the league has quite figured out the value on them yet or how they want them to play. A few years back, and I th- the first one that I remember was in Arizona, Dayon Buchanan, I think he was uh, from Louisville was a safety and they started playing him at weak side linebacker in certain packages. So you're like, okay, we're starting to see you know more receivers out there. We need a little bit more speed at linebacker, but is he big enough to hold up? Mark Barron from Alabama uh, at Tampa and the Rams, you know, same type of thing. Now it seems like every team has at least one or two guys like that that they do employ to some degree. So you got a guy like Isaiah Simmons who was picked last year that was, I guess, he was pretty high pick. He was in the top 10. But it didn't seem like you know Arizona quite had, had the plan for him yet. And they're still developing that. And I think he's going to be a great player in this league. But then you had, and we talked about him on last week's show, because he didn't go in the first round, uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa for Notre Dame that didn't go until 52 because, again, he's a smallish linebacker, maybe too big for strong safety. So, again, that hybrid position is that something that you know it, it, that they're going to get their wraps on i mean is every team going to put guys out there like this you would think they'd almost have to right
1: i think it depends on the defense and the scheme some teams still value the the bigger more traditional linebackers right and, and it's hard for them to change that philosophy. And then there are other teams that are like, ah, we don't care about that. We're going to put a 215-pound or 220-pound linebacker in there just because he can cover. And not only can he cover the tight ends and the running backs, but he can run with the slot receivers as well. So we don't, we don't have to sacrifice and, and put more defensive backs out there. Again, I, I think teams are moving towards that as well. The more you can do, Lou... The more versatility that you have as a player, the more valuable you're going to be. Because in today's NFL, it's it's a passing league. And the linebackers, if you're able to cover, you're going to get pushed up. This isn't just your traditional linebackers that could just plug the lanes, plug the holes, take on the the offensive lineman and make the tackle in the hole. That that's not what teams are looking for. You're much more looking for a guy that has that 4344 speed that can get there you know, lightning quick and 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 get the ball carrier down or, or get the wide receiver down. But I think NFL teams still struggle with that, and you mentioned that. Isaiah Simmons, that wasn't a smooth transition. The Arizona Cardinals were open to the idea. They took him in the top 10, but he struggled in the first half of the season. They didn't know what to do with him. And then you mentioned a couple of guys that kind of broke that mold. Dion Buchanan from Washington State. Mark Barron from Alabama. But those guys had disappointing careers to say the least because again teams had them but they didn't know how to deploy them they didn't know how to use them we'll see if jeremiah wusu karamoa is is going to be successful the college blueprint shows the you know these guys are needed That these guys are successful. Just let your defensive linemen basically take on blocks and let them run around and and deliver big hits and and help you in pass coverage. But again, the NFL it's still more traditional. It it takes them a while to kinda accept it. Like the the small quarterback, right? That doesn't have the size. You know, teams were so afraid of that, but now they've kind of broke that mold and Thanks to Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, it took a while. Same thing with these linebackers out here. As long as they're successful, then we'll see these guys being pushed up and and drafted in the top 10 or top 15.
0: Well, thanks for correcting me on Dayon Buchanan from Washington State. My old brain, I think I said Louisville, that was Ray Buchanan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's going way back. Thanks for correcting me. That was an old man moment there. Houston came, finally came to the, the fore on, uh, I think, the third round, right? And I think they only had like five draft picks, The you know, the whole draft, because of all the trades that uh, O'Brien made and... Some other team, that was, namely Miami, has made their roster out of a one trade, Laramie Tunsil. But it was interesting to me that the first pick they make was Davis Mills, a quarterback. Not so much that it was Davis Mills. First off, I want to get your your feedback on kind of his outlook kind of what what type of player you think he's going to be but second of all how much does that tell us about the Deshaun Watson situation obviously they've they're seeing what we're seeing they know more than we know I think they're starting to come to the realization if they hadn't before that he's probably not going to play this year you you brought in Tyrod Taylor I think you, you may have signed some other quarterbacks and now you take a rookie quarterback with your first of only five picks the whole draft
1: I don't know. I don't want to touch the Deshaun Watson situation just because I don't know. Well, not so much that,
0: but just the fact that Davis Mills and what kind of player you think he's going to be, and you know, do you think he has a chance to start?
1: Absolutely not. That's the short answer and the long answer as well. Davis Mills only started for what for a year. I mean, he has like he has like thirteen, twelve or thirteen starts under his belt. He's got a lot of injuries, Lou. Going back to high school, college, his durability is is a huge question mark. So even if he shows even if he's appealing because he's got the frame, he's got the strong arm, he comes from a pro style offense, he throws with anticipation and his coach David Shaw was just promoting him as hard as anybody. I felt like him and Jimbo Fisher was just rallying for their guys, you know. I I haven't seen anything like that in a while. Davis Mills is a project. If Deshaun Watson isn't going to play, maybe he's not going to play for the Houston Texans ever again. But even if he doesn't play in 2021, there's no way Davis Mills is going to be an adequate enough starter for them. They're going to throw him to the Wolves. He's going to play, but you need to bring in a veteran. And you need to, to start him over Davis Mills. If it was Kellen Mond who went the pick before Davis Mills to the Minnesota Vikings, that's another story. You know, Kellen Mond has started for four years in the SEC. Like, I would feel more comfortable with him being the, the starter for Houston in 2021. Now, unfortunately, they just they lucked out because I'm sure they were targeting Mond, but he came off the board the pick before, and then they realized that hey, we, we gotta go with Davis Mills. <laughs> we won't wind up with any quarterbacks out there. I think they hit the panic button a little bit. He's a project. The kid is not ready. You know, it's it's one thing to say that he was a one year starter, because I mean we've seen a couple of one year starters go really high in the first round, but I just I don't see it. I, I don't I didn't see the love for Davis Mills. I when I studied his film I just thought he was inconsistent with his accuracy, with his mechanics. It's more like you're betting on upside, but he needs like two or three years in order to to grow into this starter. Unfortunately, he goes to Houston where he's going to start most likely because Deshaun Watson isn't going to. So they're going to throw him to the Wolves. They're going to ruin his career as quickly as it starts. And that's that's really unfortunate for any young player.
0: Now, obviously, they took Kyle Trask, but I thought Tampa would have been a great place for him to go where you know there's no chance for him to play. But I mean, who's you know who better to mentor under? Uh, like you said, he's going, and it, it's not just a tough situation because they haven't won, just the whole aura around that franchise is just not good. And so, for again, a young player, first stop. Yeah, I I agree with you there, but I guess the the story was a wow. They they've got five picks and they're using their very first and their highest pick on a quarterback of all of all places. So God bless them. I I hope it works out for them, but. Uh uh, good luck. We talked about value before and how teams, how these grades you know come out and whatever, and everybody bases. Okay, well, based on my board, these guys did well because they got a bunch of guys that I have rated high. So, in that vein, not to to grade these picks, but just from a value perspective, how about a guy like Quincy Roach, the linebacker defensive end from Miami? We know Pittsburgh knows how to draft linebackers. You know that it's going to be a pretty successful, at least the the best case for success for this kid is in front of him. I believe on the NFL Draft Blitz uh, value board, he was like the 41st rated player. He went 216 and again to the perfect place. Pittsburgh Steelers, and they, even, they have an opening in that position. Not to say that he's going to start, but he's going to have every opportunity to play, and they just do such a great job with, with linebackers. I know you were high on him. I mean, what do you feel about this landing spot for him?
1: I think it's perfect, to be honest with you. He was a perfect fit for a 3-4 defense. Obviously, they've got T.J. Watt. I'm talking about the Steelers. And they've got a, a second-year player in Allie Highsmith, who they drafted last year. I think Roche is is gonna outplay Highsmith in training camp. I just I feel that good about him. I realize that his two line mates, as I say, you know Gregory Rousseau and Jalen Phillips went a lot higher, but I think Roche is gonna have a better career. It's just how strongly I feel about him. He's a pass rusher. He gets after the quarterback. And Pittsburgh Steelers, that's what they're looking for. And they don't have Bud Dupree anymore, so they need some more guys. And I just. I feel like he's done it over the long haul. He played a lot of games since his freshman season at Temple. He spent three years there. Then he moved to Miami his senior year. When you look for pass rushers, it's almost like receivers. And I think I've said this previously before. You need production. You need guys that are not just relying on their physical tools, their athleticism, but guys that actually have just the knack for getting after the quarterback. It doesn't matter how they do it. Do they have the pass rush moves? Do they have the bend around the edge? Do they have, you know, strong, heavy hands? Uh, do they have a good bull rush? W- whatever. I mean, it, different guys get to the quarterback in different ways. And Roche just has that ability. He's got the pass rush moves. He's got the quickness. Now, he's got a nice inside move. He's got a good bull rush. He just has a knack for getting after the quarterback. I'm really confused how he dropped To the sixth round. Maybe he's not the prototype. Like you would want him to be a little bit taller. Have you know longer arms. I guess you would feel better about it. Maybe he's got some character concerns. Maybe. Not throwing it out there. But maybe. From the film study. From his tape. Roche is definitely a top 75 player in this draft. That's what I saw in going to Pittsburgh. And I thought the Steelers just. In general, they had a good draft. They went with Najee Harris in the first round to get that running back, you know, to get that Le'Veon Bell, whatever Jerome Bettis that can pound the ball. But I love Pat Fryermuth from Penn State in the in the middle of the second round. I thought that was an excellent pick. The guy would have gone higher if it wasn't for the injury that he suffered during the season. I like the Buddy Johnson pick, the inside linebacker from Texas A and M. He was. He was the heart and soul of that Aggies defense, kind of an all-around guy. I just think the Steelers overall, I'm not saying I'm giving them an A, but I thought they had, they did a really solid job. They really did a good job getting value with most of their picks.
0: Yeah, and one of the other positions that they draft exceedingly well, now they don't need, they Coming, they got wide receivers coming out of their ears, but they didn't take a wide receiver, so I was a little surprised about that because they usually will throw one in at the end, developmental guy. Yeah, they obviously they had needs on the uh in different places this year. Another value pick uh that I saw, and again, I guess uh, the the Homer in me had this, and this I would imagine was kind of a, a, a medical thing, but Trey Smith, last thing till the sixth round. Um, I think on most, most people that when you hear these, uh, you know, the value boards and so forth had him in the, in the top 100, but again, it was a medical issue and the chiefs, I guess were okay with it, at least to the point where they took him in the sixth round. You know, here's a guy that lasted the sixth round, picked 226. Yeah, he was sitting there and I think he's got a, he may have a great chance to, to start for this team again, if he's healthy.
1: I think durability concerns are a big question mark here, and that's the reason why he didn't go in the top 100 in the first three rounds. And I just think it's kind of a wait and see. I mean, he's got some serious durability issues out there. I actually like Cornell Powell for you guys. I mean, you and I talked about it, like, who is that that wide receiver that the Chiefs are going to take? Cornell Powell kind of doesn't fit my mold because he's kind of a, He broke out as a senior, kind of waited, waited, waited. Finally got his chance, but he's got good size. He's got long arms. I think he's a better route runner than people give him credit for. Kind of a bigger dude, and I think I expect Powell to outplay Miko Hardman coming in. I know you're a big Miko Hardman fan, and
0: well, like you said, I mean he's a different again a different type of player. So I mean it's hard to compare them because I mean Hardman tends to fall under those you know like we said at the at the top of the show with some of these you know smaller or more slight guys that run the gadget plays that you know occasionally will from the slot get deep Powell is that's a position that they don't really have or they lean on uh, Travis Kelsey a lot for those types of plays, or when he was healthy, Sammy Watkins. So I think, yeah, I think Powell's got a a great chance to play because that number two receiver slot, which basically is going to be number three in the pecking order because – Kelsey and Hill take up most of the the uh, the targets that he's going to have a chance because they really don't have many sharp route runners outside of those two, and that's where Hardman kind of fails, and I think that's kind of going to be his downfall unless he can learn how to do that a little bit better. Yeah, like him, I was going to mention Creed Humphrey too, which you know a lot of people had him as the best center uh, in the draft. Who was a kid from uh, from Alabama that was was being talked up,
1: Landon Dickerson, the
0: center. Landon Dickerson, right? And whether it be center or guard and some health issues with him, but still. But Creed Humphrey, not that they got a lot of value out of that guy. You know, where where they got him uh, late in round two. Some people had him as high as a first rounder. Another guy I want to talk about was uh, Sean Wade who I think if he had come out last year, where did you have him if he had come out in last year's draft?
1: Oh, he would have been a first-round pick. No no question about it. He's he's the prototypical corner as far as size and athleticism and speed, and he tested like that. And when he decided not to come out, obviously, he was a slot corner. During the 2020 season, he played on the outside. He got burned by almost every decent wide receiver that that I saw in film. Whether he went against Penn State and Jahan Dotson, who is who is gonna be in the 2022 NFL draft, the, the Penn State wide receiver, whether he went against like Alabama guys, you know, and then Clemson, he faced off. He got burned by everybody. I saw Cornell Powell like turn him around a couple of times. He really lacks that technique and discipline. He tends to fall for that first move, and he's going to be in trouble. But I don't think Sean Wade is going to play outside corner. If teams saw what I saw, you basically plug him as a nickel corner and let him play there. Even though he looks you know, bigger and faster and he could play on the outside, I think he would be a perfect fit there, in my opinion. So I think Sean Wade is, is an interesting experiment. I'm going to say experiment because he went on day three. So obviously teams didn't feel really good about taking him in the top 100. He he didn't have good film uh, last year for Ohio State. Put him in the slot. I mean, that should be his position going forward
0: but you think about that if he if he does come out and he's a first round pick and he had the year uh, you know with the pros that he had at, at Ohio State this past year everybody be saying oh my god this is maybe the one of the worst picks ever but now he he slides to the 5th round goes to Baltimore which again i think is a, is a good good place for him you know he could turn out to be one of the best value picks of the draft. So I guess it's just a lot of t- timing is everything. I suppose. I mean, money wise, yeah, he would have done a lot better. But uh, maybe just overall from a training perspective and just the lower expectations, I think that that's going to do him well. I think we talked about Ojolari and uh, Jok as well. I mean, those guys slipping was just uh, you know s- some value to those teams, New York Giants and and. and Cleveland but uh, how about reaches what uh, Alex Leatherwood I guess was was the easy one and everybody was beating the Raiders up for that but any other guys come to mind like right off the top where you say wow that was that was a little a lot earlier than I expected
1: well you know I'm not a big fan of taking wide receivers in the top 10 and you and I beat this to death on the last show and it's just even if I like a wide receiver I, I feel like I could find good value on day two i can find those starters and in my opinion of course i mean that's taking jamar chase and even jalen waddle five and six too rich for me and you mentioned leatherwood i thought the two linebackers or we can call them one a three four inside linebacker and the other one a three four outside linebacker but i thought jalen phillips going at 18 to the dolphins I just have question marks about his durability. And I guess they, they feel good about it if they chose him in the first round. The tape tells me he's a first rounder. But I just, I'm always skeptical of guys who have such a long injury history. I thought Jamin Davis, Washington, um, going, you know, a lot higher than some of the other guys. I realized that he was rising, but it's just too rich for me. I didn't see Davis in quite in that regard. Jason Away, I hate to argue with the Baltimore Ravens because they do find those three, four outside linebackers and they develop them. But this guy didn't have any sacks in 2020, all right? And they played in like six or seven games in the Big Ten, and that's my problem. I mean, this guy's a boomer bust type of prospect. I would feel much comfortable uh, taking him on day two.
0: Another Stanford guy that's barely played, but obviously, you know, five star recruit coming in, the offensive lineman Walker Little, who went number 45.
1: This kid is as talented as you can find in an offensive tackle because he's athletic, he's got the size, he's got, you know, the frame, the long arms, he's got the quick feet, he played left tackle obviously at Stanford, but it, it's kind of like the Trey Lance situation. We haven't seen him for a while. He had injuries, and then he opted out of 2020. So he hasn't played for like two years. But for a young player in back in the day, I think in 2018, he showed promise. He showed promise. He got better as the season you know, progressed. I think his grandfather played in the league, so he's got those NFL bloodlines. Obviously, the the Jaguars, you and I talked about this, they needed to address the offensive line, and you know, Urban Meyer is is betting on his physical upside, and they like him. He's a smart player coming from Stanford. And, um, yeah, they definitely took a chance on him because I didn't see him as a top 100 player just because of the injury history and him not playing last year. Obviously, they, they felt good about it. And then I thought Tutu Atwell going in the second round I mean, with all due respect to Sean McVay, I I realize how they're going to deploy him. I mean, they see him kind of as a a Brandon Cooks type of player, maybe Tavon Austin type of player. He's going to pick up yards after the catch. He can be a deep threat. But my God, I mean, he's so small. He's got a small catching radius. And I just, I saw drops on film. I just, I don't know. I mean, it's one thing to... To take a player who's maybe like 170 pounds, but then you're talking about a guy who's like five, 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 six, you know, 150, 155 pounds. I thought he had a disappointing junior year in 2020. I like the, the Nick Bolton pick, though. I mean, you mentioned Creed Humphrey. I, I think Bolton fits really well with what the Chiefs do, and he could be that 3-4 inside linebacker, and you can kind of hide him a little bit. He could be that Denzel Perriman type of player who was a very successful player for the Chargers.
0: Well, that's, and again, going back to what we were talking about, the way the game is played, you need those linebackers. They don't necessarily have to be 250, 260 pounds anymore, and that's where they got burned a lot was these guys having issues covering backs or smaller receivers coming out so you know, that speed is going to help but uh, he is a little bit of a thumper as well at at his size but yeah i thought i thought they they did pretty well i didn't want to put them in my like Uh, Column just because you know try to remain neutral here and not not be using my heart more than my head but uh, but yeah I kind of I kind of like what they did Jacksonville I mean was an interesting one I couldn't think of where to put them so I didn't put them anywhere but just looking at their draft because. And again it's urban meyer he's probably had a hand in recruiting a lot of these guys or knows people that did what did you think of their draft overall i mean obviously lawrence was almost chiseled in as the first pick you know from day one etienne we talked about him the other show but then he come back in the in the second you know tyson campbell you just talked about walker little andre cisco what did you think of their draft overall
1: I thought they had a good draft. I mean, they addressed the positions they needed to address. I mean, they got, obviously, they got the quarterback. They got the corner at the top of the second round. They got another offensive lineman, a tackle. They got a couple of guys on the defensive line. Urban Meyer went with the tight end from Ohio State. obviously, I mean, they valued guys that had speed. Like, I'm looking at... Just overall, how they drafted, if we're talking about from Travis Etienne, Tyson Campbell, Walker Little, Andre Cisco, Jordan Smith, I mean, they took a lot of athletes. I mean, athletes in a good way. They added more speed and more athleticism to that Jacksonville squad in general. Taking Travis Etienne was a genius move, to be honest with you, just because You have James Robinson, so running back is not like your your biggest need. He is that inside, you know, the tackles runner. He was also a good receiver out of the backfield as a rookie. So you make a case that taking a running back, you got an undrafted free agent who basically could have been rookie of the year, right? If it wasn't for uh, Justin Herbert. But they took ETN, gives you more speed, gives you that home run ability and obviously he's going to be a mismatch in in the passing game. So it's going to be interesting how they deploy both guys because I assume that they're going to have James Robinson and ETN on the field at the same time, and teams wouldn't know what they're doing and how to defend it. So I anticipate the, the Jaguars using that to their advantage and just scheming it really, really well. I just thought that was probably the best pick Out of all the ones that they had, just because Travis Etienne is an X-factor. He's an Alvin Kamara type of player. He can break it open. He might not be that guy that's going to get 100 yards every week, but he can pop that one big play and score that game-winning touchdown, and that's how I would compare this player
0: again now making your rookie quarterback even more comfortable with somebody that that he's very familiar with in the backfield with them so i would imagine that that's part of it as well i mentioned uh last week that i liked uh you know the chargers first round pick Rashawn slater how that kind of f- fell to them perfectly i kind of like the the rest of their draft as well and maybe i'm just more familiar with the players that they took but I thought, you know Samuel at 47, Josh Palmer then in the third round. Trey McKitty was a tight end that I really liked. Now, again, he didn't have a lot of production at Georgia. I don't know if they target the tight end much as Georgia, but just watching him play and just his athleticism really intrigued me a little bit. I don't know if maybe 97 or third round was a little high. but uh, And then coming back with Rumpf, the linebacker, in round four, and then they continue along, Nick Neiman. I thought the Chargers did a pretty decent job.
1: I thought they reached on uh, in the third round.
0: On both guys? Yeah, Palmer, on both and guys.
1: Yeah, I just thought in terms of value, both of these guys, I didn't see him as top 100 well, players. Well, certainly
0: more, more potential there than production for sure.
1: Well, they're betting on that. Certainly, Tennessee had a huge issue at quarterback, and that kind of held Josh Palmer back. I mean, if trade places and put him on Alabama, maybe we're looking at a first-round wide receiver there just because he brings the tools. He's got the size. He's got good route-running ability, catches the ball well in traffic. McKitty, I mean, he didn't produce at Florida State. He didn't produce at Georgia. I'm always weary of, of guys like that with athleticism, but just don't show anything on the football field or on on the film rump is an interesting guy obviously he fits what they do He's kind of a light guy but i think he can add a little bit more weight onto his frame you know he's a guy that gets after the quarterback i mean that was obvious but the first two picks i have no problem with that they they got great value there Rashan slater who is most likely going to be their left tackle or can play anywhere on the line and I value guys that have versatility. They can play multiple positions. And Asante Samuel Jr. is just, I mean, if you take away his size, he is like the perfect prospect. Whether he plays in the slot or outside, I really don't care. It's th- This guy was one of the players that really stood out for a really disappointing Florida State team in 2020.
0: Here's one where I think we are going to uh, disagree <laughs> <laughs> just based on some, some of your fundamentals, let's say. I kind of liked what Miami did, even though they took the wide receiver at six and you're not as high on Phillips as most people. But Javon Holland, I thought, was a, a really good player they had a chance to go in the bottom of uh, round one. Uh, Eichenberg, I don't think you can go wrong in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, taking a uh, a starting uh, Notre Dame offensive lineman at any position Hunter Long I thought was a, a very good tight end from, from Boston College so and then they don't pick again till the seventh round but I thought with the players that they took at the positions that they that they got them in they got a little value there but I'm thinking that maybe you might have some other thoughts there
1: yeah I'm not as high on on the Miami Dolphins. I won't
0: take it personally
1: I'm not as high on the Miami Dolphins as some other folks out there. Um, I realized that they were linked to a wide receiver after Kyle Pitts went number four to the Falcons and they drafted a player that can stretch the field for Tua uh, and then a player that he's very familiar with Phillips. I've already mentioned his film is first round value, maybe even a, a top 10 pick in this really disappointing edge rusher class injuries. I, it's a huge concern. Holland is, gives you versatility and has good ball skills, but I saw a player that was confused a lot of the times on, on the football field. To me, safeties have to be more instinctive. And in college, in my opinion, Javon Holland just relied on his athleticism and his speed. He's not going to be able to do that at the next level, and his instincts need to v- develop. I really like the Liam Eikenberg pick. Whether he's going to play right tackle or guard, I don't care. He's I love Notre Dame offensive linemen. Hunter Long was a good pick. Uh, I think he's going to help there for two-way. He can be that target in the middle of the field, kind of a Dallas Clark type of player. So I like that. It's kind of hit and miss for me with the first three picks, but then I liked how they bounced back and and really found good value on day two.
0: An interesting one uh, for me also was, was the Giants because you know the the narrative going around before the draft was, and I guess it's it's as true is that. Gettleman never trades back, and he did a couple of times. Uh, I mean, again, it wasn't a lot of quantity, but I think the quality that they get, and again, it depends on how you feel about Kadarius Tony. But obviously, we talked about this already. But the the, the value they got in the second round, getting Ojolari, uh, I liked Aaron Robinson pick at, in the third round. Ellerson Smith was great, uh, pass rusher from Northern Iowa. Their first four picks, I have a real chance of getting a ton of playing time on this team.
1: I like those three, four outside linebackers that they got. I really do. I just want to focus on the on the good. Obviously, I was I was high on Ajulari. I think he was like a top 10 pick for me I had him 10th overall in my rankings I just I feel really good about him I hope I hope he's gonna be okay because obviously during the the broadcast of the NFL draft they mentioned his medical and and that's the reason why he dropped Azulari is a smaller guy that wrecks havoc Ellerson Smith kind of gives you more long arms, long frame, great athleticism, small school guy, had a great year in two thousand and nineteen. So I like how the Giants added more to their defense and they were gonna be able to get after the quarterback, I think, with these two guys.
0: Staying with New York, because again, all eyes are on them. They get a ton of picks over the next few years. Obviously the you know, Zach Wilson coming in, a lot of a lot of hype around this team at this point. You know, I'm looking at their draft and, and I like, you know, a lot of the picks that they made. I don't know if it's going to be enough in free agency. I mean, obviously, this is a, a building situation, it's going to be a few years. Zach Wilson, though, he kind of looked like a deer in the headlines at, at, the, at the draft when they kind of put them all together, like a lot of the first round guys that were there together. And you can read into that. But coming from Provo, spending his entire life. In Utah, kind of nestled there, nurtured, protected, and now he's going to the Big Apple. That just seems a little scary for me. I hope he does well there. We talked about this a lot. I love the Vera Tucker pick, and then they come back with Elijah Moore and Michael Carter uh, then they come back with in the fifth round with Michael Carter again, but this time it was a safety from Duke. So I think they, they made some some good picks. I think you know the GM there is 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 working this the right way. and all signs seem to be pointing in, in a good direction, but again, I, the Zach Wilson thing is a little bit iffy. I don't know that they really have, somebody solid behind him that's, that's, that's going to help him that much. I, I, again, I don't know. I'm just very leery of, of Zach's situation here.
1: Zach Wilson is going to be fine. And the reason why I say that is because the Jets are just building a really good team around him. And they've done it in free agency. They've done it through the draft with the first you know four picks. I love those picks. Wilson, Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, a running back that's really underrated. In my opinion, I was surprised that he fell in the beginning of the fourth round. Just gives you so much value. Kind of a, a poor man's Travis Etienne, but you're getting him at the top of the fourth round. He can help you as a kick returner. He's an excellent receiver. Um, you know, He can run through arm tackles. He runs low to the ground. He can make people miss in the open field. I think Michael Carter is going to be one of those guys that's just going to be a major weapon for the Jets. I'm sure Sam Darnold is looking at this draft and saying to himself, where were you, Joe Douglas, like three years ago? <laughs> that, that's exactly. the that unfortunate situation. Like, Zach Wilson is walking into this. He doesn't have to be the savior. He doesn't because they have a much better team around him and they've got a fiery head coach and they've got a GM with the plan and they're surrounding him with weapons. I mean, they signed Corey Davis in, in free agency and they've got Denzel Mims last year and now they got a slot receiver and Elijah Moore. So he already has more weapons and a better offensive line than what Sam Darnold had in the first couple of years. It, it really is unfair when you say to yourself, Sam Darnold could have been successful, could have been if he had these weapons. So I think Zach Wilson is going to be fine. He's getting in there, but he already has a lot of weapons, and the Jets' defense is going to be better. This isn't going to be just a situation where Zach Wilson is going to be asked to to score thirty or forty points or um, a game. I like what the Jets are doing just as a whole, and I guess I'm. I'm a lot more optimistic about Zach Wilson in New York than you are.
0: I want to be optimistic, but I I guess just some of the the signs leading up to it. Yeah, I, I love what they're doing around him. It's a ton better and a ton more than they did for Sam Darnold. So speaking of Sam Darnold, Carolina Panthers, again, you've got a recent college coach. That again is looking at players on the board that you know he may have he had a hand in recruiting he had a hand in playing against you know I mean so there's a lot of familiarity there how do you think they did I mean I kind of like what they did I know you weren't as high on Terrace Marshall as I was but getting him in the second round uh, Christensen another offensive lineman to help Sam Darnold Tommy Tremble they don't really have a pass catching tight end. There with Ian Thomas. I don't know, Tremble really wasn't a huge target at Notre Dame either. But I think Chuba Hubbard, I think, was it was a huge value pick. And Davion Nixon, who I know you liked a lot, was a, a huge value pick there in the fifth round. Keith Taylor, Shy-Smith. I mean, it seems like all the way down the line, you know, they got value in each round. And I think, you know, as far as Sam's concerned, he's obviously in a much better situation. And I feel a lot better about him, his situation, than I do Zach's, but that's another story. But how do you feel Sam and then, therefore, Carolina is doing building around him?
1: You know, they got a tackle on Brady Christensen. We'll see. I mean, he's an older prospect. And he hold up as a left tackle in the NFL. I have question marks about it. Tommy Tremble is a blocking tight end. He's not a receiving tight end. Chuba Hubbard had a disappointing 2020 season but he's the same back that, that ran for over 2,000 yards back in 2019 when he was a sophomore. Davian Nixon is a steal in the fifth round as far as I'm concerned. Terrace Marshall, we'll, we'll see. He was drafted in the second round. I, I told you already he had some durability concerns. The best pick was J.C. Horn in the top ten. I uh, just A lot of people were criticizing Carolina because they felt like maybe they would go offensive lineman. Maybe they would take a quarterback. But I just think they needed this type of player. They couldn't get off the field on third downs on defense. They had a huge pressing need at corner. Getting Horn gives them the the ability to get more creative, get those blitzes, dialing up those blitzes, and just getting after the quarterback. Getting a really good corner that has the ability to lock down a number one wide receiver in the future yeah, I think Carolina did well. I mean, overall. They they have a plan and and Sam Darnold is is a much better hands than, than he was in New York.
0: Now, we kinda smacked the Raiders around a little bit for taking Leatherwood in the first. Then they come back with uh, Trevon Merig, which was a a value pick. I mean, it seems like, you know, you could have reversed those two and people would be a lot more comfortable. Then as you go down, it doesn't seem like there's a real solid plan in place here. And this is where we're at four drafts in for these guys, uh, for Gruden. Mayock. I don't think they're a better team today than they were when they came in. I think Del Rio had a much better record than Gruden has so far. What do you make of the Raiders?
1: It's interesting that they took three safeties overall. I don't know what they're doing there. I mean, they're basically admitting probably that Jonathan Abram is a bust that they took in the first round a couple of years ago because why would they take. Three safeties in this draft, hoping that probably one he or two. He might. Can start. He
0: might. He might fit into our hybrid better than some of these other guys. He's more of that downhill guy. He's gonna pop you and whatever.
1: Well, we'll see if Gus Bradley is gonna be able to utilize him in a really effective way. I mean, obviously he had some. He had some like really Cam good Chancellor. players at linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Guys that just ran around were able to make tackles and the only guys that i like out of their draft is marig uh, in the second round i like jimmy morrissey in the seventh round but this tells me that the raiders feel much better about their wide receiver situation and they feel much better about their offensive line as well i just thought that they should address i mean maybe the defensive line a little bit more they took a corner in the fifth round. I don't know. Mike Mayock gets an F as far as I'm concerned, being a GM overall over the past three years. The the first year, he gave out big contracts and free agency to Antonio Brown, you know, Trent Brown. He was signing everybody left and right, and he was able to fix the offensive line. And then, obviously, his draft picks, I mean, they've been, and I'm being kind here, They've been average at best, and I hope he's going to hit a couple of home runs here. But Mayock is going to be in the booth pretty soon, you know, calling NFL games or Notre Dame games, and getting back on the NFL Network. The way it's going right now, I just I, I can't see the Raiders being that much better in a really tough division.
0: Well, I think Drew Brees took that spot from him. So, I don't know, maybe it goes back to NFL Network. And, uh, maybe they'll put him back on the on the draft, which will be very interesting because they'll keep talking whenever the Raiders come up. They'll be talking about all his failed picks. That would be some good TV, I think. Arizona, where I thought, you know, I loved Zayvon Collins in the first round. Second round, again, one of these smaller receivers, but again, which fits the mold, you know, for Kingsbury. But did they improve themselves? I mean, it, it, they got they got some players here, but I mean, are, are these guys that are really going to help them outside of the top two?
1: They went with some defensive backs. You know, they went with James Wiggins in the seventh round. He's a great athlete. Uh, Tay Gowan is an underrated corner who had a good year in 2019. Rondale Moore just fits what they want to do at wide receiver. He's a guy that that can break tackles after the catch. He's slippery, almost like a running back, and you can can get him going on those jet sweeps. I like the Zayvon Collins pick. I, I just think he's... He's a versatile linebacker. Did Arizona ace the draft? No. I think it was a pretty average draft at that. But Yeah,
0: it wasn't terrible. See, I had a real hard time finding ones that I didn't like so much. I think the the, the Rams, we probably agree, wasn't so hot. At the top, you know, a 5'7", you know, again, type maybe gadget guy, again... I hate to call them that, but at that size, you know, we kind of beat that to death. But they really don't have, didn't have a lot of picks. I mean, they they kind of maneuvered to get some more picks late. You know, all the capital that they spent on Ramsey and now uh, Stafford, they really don't have much. You know, many draft picks to to go with. So it would be easy to just gang up on them and say, eh, I don't, I, I'm not seeing it.
1: Again, the Rams didn't have a first round pick. Um I thought their two best picks were in the 4th round. I thought Bobby Brown the 3rd, the defensive tackle out of Texas a- Texas A&M. I think he's going to be that big nose tackle or maybe he's going to be that 3-4 defensive end that can take on double teams. Robert Rochelle, the cornerback from Central Arkansas, kind of raw, but he's got that speed, that athleticism, the the size and i think he is he's appealing in that regard but i do agree the the Rams had an average draft at best i also thought the colts didn't have a good draft i just thought you know i'm not a big fan of quitty pay in the first round he's not a good pass rusher uh he's a pretty good run defender but you need, when you take guys in the top 20 you need a guy that can get after the quarterback and that's just it's boomer bust pick for me You know, a a Vanderbilt defensive end in the second round, he's coming off a serious injury. Uh, He got injured uh, during the the draft process. They also failed to address the left tackle position, and that was kind of curious for me. Anthony Costanzo retired. Do they think Quentin Nelson can play left tackle? If they believe that. Then okay, I have no problems with that if you shift them over. They didn't address that position, and that's a problem. When we talked about the Raiders. I, I think the Raiders had a had a bad draft just overall, just reaching and not understanding how to build their roster, what they're trying to do. I just think Mike Mayock and John Gruden went with the best available players, I guess. I would assume, because why would you take three safeties, right? But they really failed to help themselves overall, and this isn't. This is really unfair to a guy like Alex Leatherwood. I'm sure he's going to be a fine player, but if I think he's he was a third round pick, I'm going to call you out for it because this is what Mike Mayock would do on on the NFL Network.
0: I'm not sure about Indianapolis either. I'm a pretty big uh, Chris Ballard guy, so it was it was some picks there. Kind of have you shaking your head, but I will lean on his expertise and just the fact that uh, you know he's done a pretty good job to date. You know, building this team. You know, we'll see quarterback. I mean, obviously this is the big move. Uh, Carson Wentz coming in. Obviously they have other holes, like you said. I mean, on the offensive line, what Nelson, I'm sure, could play any position on that offensive line and do it really, really well. How good is he going to be able to play left tackle? Uh, remains to be seen. Any other ones that you? that maybe we didn't mention that you really liked.
1: I have a couple of winners. I think I talked about losers. Let's talk about winners. I like Go what ahead. the Detroit Lions did. Uh, Panay Sewell fell to them at, at number seven. And you have Decker in the le- as a left tackle. You move Sewell uh, on the right side. And then I like those two defensive tackles that they addressed. I love that. This is where you win. It's not sexy. You're not getting a wide receiver. You're not getting a quarterback, but you're building the offensive line and your defensive line. On Wazariki from Washington, he's an athlete. He's got great quickness. And then you got Aleem McNeil, NC State defensive tackle that can take on double teams. He's really strong, a really good run defender. And then you got Melifonwu in the third round, kind of a tall corner uh, with good size and, and speed. And then you've got Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, you thought maybe the Lions were going to address the the wide receiver position somewhere on day two. They didn't, and the best wide receiver fell to them in the beginning of the fourth round. So I'm sure he's going to become the favorite target for Jared Goff fairly quickly. And I'm sure the, the Lions GM, who worked with the Rams before, saw a little bit of Robert Woods in him. I'm, I'm almost certain of it the USC connection, I think it's going to work. I like what the Patriots did. I trashed the Patriots as far as what they did in free agency, but I like how they bounced back overall. They got Mac Jones at 15. They got Christian Barmore, uh, a versatile athletic defensive tackle in the second round. They got Ronnie Perkins, defensive end, from Oklahoma in the third round. He's a disruptive pass rusher. Ramondre Stevenson is going to remind people of Garrett Blunt, I think, is uh, kind of a bigger guy with quick feet and can catch the ball out of the backfield. It's interesting. They went with that Oklahoma connection in the third, fourth round. So overall, I'm really digging what Bill Belichick did in the draft. It's about time he had a good draft
0: you know his past performance won't taint what he's done here because it it does look pretty good and i just uh it's hard for me to give uh, props to, to the evil empire if you would, but but yeah they did they did get some good players and guys again we keep talking about these guys that opted out the defense is going to be a lot better uh offensively they should be uh, have a little bit more spunk to them in the passing game so um uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're contending in the in the East once again. If we had, if you had to pick out a favor, which team do you feel you know was your was your favorite? Did the best?
1: The Lions. the The Lions get an A A plus as far as I'm concerned. I'm really digging their first like four picks. And, and when you look back, you have to address both the offensive line and the defensive line. When you do that, it might not make your fans you know, appreciated right there on draft day because you're not getting a Jamar Chase. You're not getting a Jalen Waddle. You're not getting a Justin Fields. I, I think it's the right way to build your your team. And there's no way that the Lions will have a first overall pick next year in 2022. They're going to be much better. I'm a Jared Goff believer. And I think they did the right thing here to, to make the team as a whole better. And I also think that This quarterback class in general, we saw top five quarterbacks go to teams that really were in desperate need of a quarterback. Obviously, the Jaguars, the Jets, the 49ers, and then Justin Fields went to the Bears. Say what you want about Andy Dalton, but Fields is the future there. Then Mac Jones went to the Patriots, who is the future there. So it was good to see and refreshing to see all top five quarterbacks go to places that really were in need of a quarterback today. You know I, I hope all five guys succeed hopefully this is going to be like a 2004 NFL draft where we saw you know top three quarterbacks that are most likely going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. I, I think this this group is really talented and we'll we'll find out in a few years who's going to be the bust out of this group.
0: Well, we certainly hope so. And uh, to wrap things up on Detroit again, uh, they tried that for many years with those top uh, top wide receivers, and it never really worked out. So finally, they get a coach who, you know, a lot of people were making fun, poking fun at because of his uh, initial press conferences and biting kneecaps and knocking people down. But uh, quite frankly, there's a couple different ways to go. Do Do you do you build an offense that's a track team? or do you build from the outs from the inside out get those lines right and you're going to have success i mean that, that that's the bottom line doesn't have to be sexy so you know for a couple drafts you have to go through this in a rebuild so yeah it, uh, i agree with you and a huge huge value with Amon ross st brown we're obviously both big fans of that pick keep an eye on aaron Rodgers. i guess we're going to be and so is everybody else over the next few months uh just a soap opera but will give us plenty to talk about moving forward that's going to do it for this week folks as always on the way out peace